Hey there, I'm Matthew Foley and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights, and today we have our guest Janice Watkins here. Janice is a missionary in El Salvador, and uh, she's actually a good friend of Dr. Cutshaw, which I'm sure all the viewers know. And ISO Insights also being an affiliate, not just an affiliate, but the podcast for International School of the Word. Uh, you can go on to isow.org, iso.org, and you will find Missions and Evangelism 101 if you want to study into how missions works, if your interest is in missions. How are you doing this morning, Janice? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Theo. Yeah, so you <laughs> You've come a long way to be here. <laughs> yeah, Just a couple thousand miles. <laughs> yeah, we, we've uh, we've caught you on a trip to the United States. So, so what have you been doing the last week or so? Uh, well, you know, I come to the States usually to visit churches, to visit family and friends and things like that. So that's what I've been doing, doing gotcha. a bit of traveling. Yeah, just coming back. I, I, you know, usually every year uh, we see you drop in the ISO. So I know there's probably, do you have a scheduled trip that you just do reoccur? Well, usually I come to the States almost generally in the fall. Okay, so, so autumn time. Is it just because you like the fall above other times of the year? Well, I don't want to come when it's January, February, because oh, okay. it's too cold in Missouri, where it's where I'm from. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> I believe. Do you get a lot of snow in Missouri? Yes. I, we I get no that. snow in El Salvador. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this, I can imagine that. Now, aren't the... Uh, because the hemispheres, aren't the seasons opposite? Well, we they are opposite, but we really only have two seasons. We have winter and summer. Okay. The difference is it rains six months in winter, and it's mm-hmm. dry six months in summer. But the temperature's the same all year round. Really? Yeah. So what's the kind of the temperature around? About 85. 85? 85 in the capital. Whoa. It gets cool at night, about 63, something it's, like it's that. Just it's just north <laughs> of tropical ideal yes. weather. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. it's perfect. <laughs> is, this, is the air conditioning going? Inside? How many people have air conditioning? No, not very many. I don't oh, have air conditioning many. in my home. Okay. Yeah, wow. I, we don't have air conditioning. So. You just, Nor heaters, you, so it's perfect. You just get used to it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well... I'm from Alabama, so my grandparents, that was their life. They were like, oh, well, you just sweat. That's what you do around that well, time. Well, we have 85, and it's not very humid. Oh. So it's actually pleasant. It's okay. a pleasant, it's a pleasant well, temperature. That is not Alabama. No. So, <laughs> but, you know, I've been to other parts of the world. Um, I, we just mentioned this a moment ago before we started recording, but I've been to Israel before, and uh, we were there doing archaeological stuff. But once we had gotten done this trip of university students, see, we came back to the States. So we, we came back the way we left. We went from Atlanta Airport to Boston to Tel Aviv. When we came back that way, we hadn't set foot out in the United States until we were finally back in Georgia. Right. So we would gotten so used to the dry heat there. When we came out of the airport, this is July, Georgia. Oh, no. And we, it was like we were breathing bottle of, bottles of water. It right. was so humid outside. We were like, <gasps> couldn't breathe. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have like that, thank on. goodness. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> oh, my. So um, what was your upbringing like? What was your background? Because what, what I'm getting to is uh, what was your t- journey to know the Lord uh, before any of your interest in missions? When did that relationship start? Did you grow up in church? Did you? I did. I was born in church, basically. Okay. You know, every Sunday I was taken to church. Every Wednesday night was always about church. Um, and then I remember I was eight years old, and there was an evangelist, a young, a super young evangelist who came mm-hmm. to our church, and he was preaching about hell. And I, something funny about him, I remember, I do not remember his name, but I remember he had long hair mm-hmm. and he wanted a bobby pin. So he asked somebody in the congregation for a bobby pin to put his hair back. But he was speaking about hell and that scared me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, at eight years old, 
I may not have understood, you know, that I needed a savior, but I knew I didn't want to go to hell. No, yeah. So I went to the altar that night and received the Lord. Wow. Uh, yes. That's a, it's, I, that's about the same experience I had about five or six a few times. <laughs> I think most yes. people probably a few times. A few times, right. Yeah, the fear of hell. Um, after that point, uh, and I assume your parents were just... Christians, yes. uh, were they? Is it multiple generations where they were Christians? Yes, yes. My especially yeah. on my dad's side. So um, I was actually raised General Baptist, and mm-hmm. so my my parent, my grandparents on my dad's sides were founders of churches and things like that. And so um, very much a strong Christian background. Mm-hmm. So uh, with with that background, uh, there was, was there a point at which? Because I know a lot of people they. Um, the fear of God is a big thing that draws a lot of people, especially in the church, right. in the church. <laughs> so often out of the church too, but in the church. And then when you grow up a bit, people will talk about you having this experience with the Lord where your own personal knowledge of him overtakes right. the aspect of, I don't want to be under God's wrath. Right. And it's more about God's love. Right. So did that, when did that happen? Well, that, that happened later on in life because I, um, you know, the enemy attacked me early on. So at eight mm-hmm. years old, I started being sexually abused by a cousin oh of mine. Word. And so um, I never told anyone. So I lived with this for, for quite a while. But it was probably actually in my 30s that um, I, I, went, I went through college, graduated, mm-hmm. had a great career, all this kind of stuff. I got married. Um, my husband was very abusive. Wow. <laughs> and so the Lord got me out of that. And Pastor mm-hmm. B played a you know, tremendous role in, mm-hmm. in having that happen. Um, but it was at that point when the Lord actually started to say, okay, Janice, you need to start looking now at your past. You need to look at the fact of all the things that happened to you were not your choice, all those mm-hmm. kinds of healing things that needed to happen. And so, I mean, the Lord threw me out. He threw mm-hmm. me out in the middle of the, the lake and said, wow. sink or swim. I mean, he was not kind. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how much I love him. Uh, but he really made me start to look at things that had happened to me. And mm-hmm. it was at that point that I really began to understand his love. Wow, that's powerful. I really began to understand it. Because up to that mm-hmm. point, the love I had had, I mean, my parents loved me, and there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And, and But I never felt the liberty to share with them what had happened. Um, and so when the Lord made me start to really look at that, then I began to say, okay, I now kind of understand what love is. And so my relationship with him just grew and grew and grew. And mm-hmm. healing took place after he layers and layers of healing mm-hmm. took place. And so now I am 100% confident about what love is. Wow. Yeah. I, well, you know, you, you mentioned that the Lord was tough with you. Yes. <laughs> he was tough with you. you when people go through very difficult things, there's a big push these days. People call it the victim mentality. Yeah. But there's a big push for people uh, to... Well, I need help, you know, I need pity, yeah. I need sorrow, I need people to comfort me. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's now this guy named Jordan Peterson that's gained a ton of fame, but his daughter had an autoimmune disorder, and he's a clinical psychologist at Toronto University. And he said something one time that I, 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 it made sense to me, but it also doesn't go with conventional wisdom. But he said because his daughter was dealing with so much physical problems and real pain uh, that as she grew up, he as a parent, both him and his wife, had to be honest with her and say, listen, you, you have a choice yeah. as to the way you're going to live life because you've been dealt a pretty rough hand. Right. We're not going to lie to you. Right. But you can either be tough yes. or you can allow this to cripple you not only physically but emotionally. And that's what's wild about the Lord it is, is when, you're, when you're going through a lot of pain and yes. Satan wants yes. to cripple you, yes. God will say, no, yeah. 
you can't let that happen. You have to rise up. Exactly. I mean, there were so many issues that I had tucked away inside that I had not dealt with. And so it's like the Lord on Monday would reveal something and I would have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mm -hmm. to deal with it. And maybe Friday I could, okay. And then on bam, on Saturday, he's like, okay, now you need to look at this. I mean, he just, he was bringing everything wow. to my mind that I had never dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I'm glad he did. I mean, I could have yeah. chosen, I guess, not to look at them, but I, there was something, you know, the Lord really loves us so much that he just puts enough drawing in you that I, he was drawing me. He was wooing me to him by through, through that healing mm -hmm. process. And so I, I, I sensed, I, I guess I sensed that there was something more that I wanted of him. And so that kept me going through all of those cycles yeah. of healing until finally like, whew. Okay, I think we're I think we're done. <laughs> and he, he said to you, um, you have to admit that this wasn't your fault. Correct. You didn't. So Correct. you you had a tendency to believe I caused this to happen. This well, abuse. I, I mean, as a child, you're eight. Okay, and so um, I, you know, I didn't feel comfortable to tell my parents, mm -hmm. and so I'm like, well, then I must have done something. I must have done something. And then you mm -hmm. get older, and you, you just tuck it away, and you think it doesn't bother you. But then you get married, and it starts to come out yeah. again, and the the, uh, the spouse is abusive, and so okay. Mm -hmm. I must have really done something. I must have messed up something in my life to, to have this in my life because, wow. you know, I was trying to live the Christian life. I never left the church. Mm -hmm. I never left the church. I never left the Lord. I was in choir. I was in doing all these, you know, activities in church, very responsible. But, you know, it, it's somebody's fault, right? Mm -hmm. Did you have, <laughs> so, uh, this is a hard question. I'll just ask sure. this because I know people are going to be watching sure. that think this. Was there a part of you that wanted to or tempted to blame God? for what happened or to question God. Why? Why did this happen? You know, Theo, to be honest, I don't think I ever had that. Really? I really don't think I ever had that. And I don't know if it's because I was raised in such a Christian home mm. that, that I never heard my parents question God. I don't remember my grandparents ever questioning God. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that wasn't something that we did. And so I, maybe if I had been raised differently or if I'd heard people talk about that, but you know, at a young age, I hadn't lived life very much yeah. and been out amongst the worldly people mm -hmm. who might have said, why did this happen, God? So I never went that road. I've, you know, that's actually a similar experience. In my background, I had multiple generations and tough things happened. I saw my parents go through yeah. tough things and they're Pentecostal. Yeah. So whenever something bad would happen, they would, they would have this very strong sense of Satan's the one to blame right. here or people <laughs> or the fall, right. but like there's sin in the world. Yeah. Uh, but it was never God. God's all right. good all right. the time. Exactly. Exactly. And that understanding is, is very powerful. Like with Jesus, um, the other day in John's gospel, going over once again, I, I read over where there was a man born blind and they, right. everybody asked the question, was it because his parents sin or his own sin? Mm -hmm. They didn't even think in terms of sometimes these things happen because we're in a fallen creation, Correct. but they wanted to blame somebody right. and people tend to go towards that. Right. Satan loves the blame game. Yeah. Well, see, I was blaming myself, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I didn't really need wow. to blame God because I, I had assumed that it was my fault. So and I did play the blame game, but not with God. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, it's not yeah, your it's, fault. Yeah, he did. He finally said, it is not your fault. <laughs> and and yeah. what was that transition to knowing God's love in your personal relationship with the Lord? How did that, what how did that, did that like? develop? How did that develop? Basically, I think that every time he had me deal with an issue that was inside of me, um, he, he did it in such a kind way mm -hmm. and in a way that um, I learned so much more about who he was and his character that I just fell in love with him. I mean, I just <laughs> fell in love with him. And so um, it's not, 
Um, he, and he is my Savior and my Lord. I mean, that's without a doubt. But I know what it means to have him as my best friend. Mm-hmm. I know what it means to have him as my husband. I mean, I, I, I know those things. And so it's just a day-to-day depending on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get up in the morning, talk to him. I mean, I learned to do these things as I was healing. You know, when I, I look through the gallery of uh, pictures that you have at Abigail Association, and that's your ministry, mm-hmm. and in those photos, every, every single one of them that you're in, uh, and this is me speaking, uh, but from what I saw, you were, this is just a fact, you were always smiling. Yeah. And there was a strength that was in you that was carrying all the people that were around you. That's Praise what I felt Lord. like I saw strong. And I kept on thinking to myself, that's a woman who knows the Lord who knows him closely. I mean, he and I have been through so much right now that, I mean, we have bad days. Mm-hmm. We all have bad days. I have bad days. I mean, things mm-hmm. don't go right or whatever, but he's he's there. <laughs> he's always there. So why, why should I get upset? I mean, if I've learned that, okay, something's going to happen, he's still in control. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all good. At ISO, we always strive to provide discounts and incentives for our students. Now, we're thrilled to announce our best value ever, the ISO All Access Pass. For just $99 per month, any student can access our entire learning platform. An ever-expanding library of fascinating, groundbreaking teaching at your fingertips for the average price of just one ISO course. There has never been such a prime opportunity to pursue your biblical education. Students in many traditional schools pay $100 to learn every day for every single course. With the All Access Pass, that amount gives you access to our entire course catalog. At ISO, you can learn from world-class teachers on a wide variety of subjects, all at your own pace. With the subscription-based model of the All Access Pass, there are no obligations to put yourself in debt for decades. If you're hungry to learn about the Word, there's never been a better value. That's countless hours of teaching and materials with no limit on how much you can learn. Now, more than ever, ISO is excited to connect the Word with the world. Go to isow.org to get started with the All Access Pass today. I, I, I would love to hear, so you talked about you had a marriage, it was mm-hmm. uh, abusive, and after that, it was after that you said that you had this encounter with the Lord. Yes. He worked through these these memories, these traumatic yes. events, and once you were able to reconcile those things right. to what was going on. That's that's super important for people to hear because uh, you don't need to forget what happened. Right. Right. <laughs> you exactly. don't need to bury it. Yes. You have to confront <laughs> yes. it with the Lord at yes. your side. You have to. Um, and after this happened, what is the gap between then and El Salvador, your calling? Um, well, um, probably, let's see. I don't want to give my age, but probably about four or five years mm-hmm. between those two. So several things happened uh, during that time. I, I've actually written a book. Uh, that's my personal testimony really? that is available for people to read. And, we'll um, put a link in it. We'll put a yeah, link okay. in the book. Uh, sorry, I forgot to say that earlier. <laughs> you might not want to cut that. You might want to cut that. So, <laughs> um, but I really, I, that, that again, even writing the book was not something I wanted to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't consider myself a writer, uh, but the Lord basically through many confirmations, said you need to write this mm-hmm. story that I've been through. And so um, that book was actually uh, helped get me to El Salvador. Really? And so um, I was actually supposed to go rafting with some friends in the Grand Canyon uh, 
but I fell and broke my arm playing softball mm-hmm. in church league, couldn't go. And so I went on my first mission trip. Wow. And it happened to be to El Salvador. And as a replacement so, for the Grand Canyon. As a replacement well. for the Grand Canyon. Okay, I still want to go to the Grand Canyon someday. But, you know, the Lord had other plans. And mm-hmm. so um, I ended up going to, to El Salvador um, with a, a team from my church, from Twin Rivers, and um, fell in love with El Salvador but never had any plans to move there. I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, you don't, you know, don't move. Uh, but I would go back the next year. I went to Peru for a month on mission. Mm-hmm. So I always had the mission bug. You know, I wanted to go on missions trips. Yeah. Uh, but the more times I went to El Salvador, every time that I was leaving El Salvador, I was in tears. I mean, I was sobbing. And I'm not a crier. Oh. I don't cry. <laughs> you know, very easy to don't cry. But I couldn't figure out why. But now, on the flip side, I know that I think part of me was being deposited in El Salvador. Wow. For lack of a better description. And so every time I left, part of me was being left there. And until I got myself whole, got myself back there, then, I mean, it's just a wonderful... How many trips was that probably, that transition? Um, So I went um, in 2005, 2006, 2007, I went three times. 2008, I went once. Fall of 2008, I moved. Really? I mean, the God opened every door. It was, it's an amazing story. That God really opened every door that I needed to open. What, were there connections with certain people when you went over? Well, when I went to my, on my second time there with the same group from Twin Rivers went there, mm-hmm. um, I had just received a, the first copy from the publisher of my book mm-hmm. in English. And so I'm at the team meeting before we leave, opening my mail, and the team leader says, why don't you take that book to El Salvador? I'm like, you're crazy. It's one book in, Spain, in English. What are we going to do with this? Mm-hmm. So I took the book because she kept insisting. So we get to El Salvador, and she arranges for me to have an interview on TBN with this book and a translator, okay? And so, I mean, the Lord... He touched somebody's heart. Somebody saw that interview. Mm-hmm. And this lady, uh, she had a group of ladies, like a ministry that she had started. She contacted the TBN, got the translator's name, who translated mm-hmm. for me, and asked could they translate that book into Spanish because the women there needed to hear it. That's amazing. And so through that, I mean, <laughs> some, some other maneuvers happened, but that is, what, that is what got me to El Salvador. And so um, they invited me to come and give conferences, and so I went and spoke and different things. And... The Lord just kept opening doors, just kept opening doors. And I knew, I knew, I 100% mm-hmm. knew that I needed to go. Um, when he started to to put that thought into my spirit about mm-hmm. going to El Salvador, I'm like, okay, I'm in St. Louis. <laughs> I love my church. I yeah. loved Twin Rivers Worship Center. I love Pastor B and Sister Faith. Um, and I love my job. I love my career. I was a research scientist at Washington University. Love my job. You know, mm-hmm. everything, everything in my life was good. I had yeah. no reason to go. A lot of comfort. A lot of comfort. <laughs> a lot of comfort. Yeah, a lot of comfort. Yeah. But I remember sitting in, in uh, Wash U one day. We were having a lab meeting. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing. It was cancer research that I did. And uh, I'd done that for 20-something years. And I remember we were sitting in this in this conference room, and we were discussing about all the experiments that we had done for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And um, someone said, well, what if this doesn't work? And so the main investigator, she said, we're back to square one, which means we've lost everything that we had done. And y- you can believe it or not, but if I've ever heard the voice of the Lord, he said at that moment, only the things done for God last. Whew. He said, there's not a cure for physical cancer, but there's a cure for spiritual cancer. And when he said that, Theo, I mean, I had been in my house on my face for weeks seeking the Lord about this that I was feeling Mm -hmm. to move to El Salvador. But when he said that, I'm like, 
I'm done. I need to, I need to go. I knew at that moment that I needed to go. And so, you know, I'm such an organized list maker. So I made X, Y, Z things need to happen. You know, all these things. I started ticking them off. And by October of 2008, everything that needed to happen mm. was done. And so. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me, let me ask you this real quick, just as a side. Because, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, I, I think it's very impressive that you were a scientist. <laughs> well, that's not that impressive. I'll say that. Uh, for me, it's impressive. <laughs> but uh, with that. Because uh, she she was just making a comment about the periodic table, she said, mm, "I'm familiar I with love it." That. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when you got into that, was it uh, just because of your personal interest in science, or, or were you because if you're at a, a lab that's researching cancer, I assume that there's some type of there's some drive in you, especially since the Lord spoke to you that way to help people. It's like, okay, I need if I'm going to be doing something, I'm going to be doing something that's going to yeah. change the world. Well, as a little kid, I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. I wanted to be a medical doctor. But, mm -hmm. you know, the older I get, uh, or the older I was getting, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be 32 when I get out of college. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have $150,000 in debt. And I, I didn't want to do that. I did not really? want to do that. I'm like, that is just not a wise choice for me. And so I switched to, to uh, biology and chemistry. I would have not. I would have not. I wouldn't assume that was the shorter route, you know. Well, I, you know, I didn't want to take the time to be a doctor. There's right. all kinds of debt, so I became a scientist instead. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, so you did have that sense of I want to help people. Correct, I did. I mean, I, as a little kid, so the, there's a big hospital in St. Louis, Barnes Jewish Hospital, mm -hmm. and so it's on Interstate 40. And as a little kid, we would go and visit my grandparents, mm -hmm. and we would have to go up, cross Interstate 40, and Barnes Jewish would be in the in the lights. And so I would see that, and I'd be like, I want to work there someday. But I was thinking as a doctor you know I want to be there as a doctor someday mm -hmm. and so that didn't you know of course I didn't go to college for that I ended up going for research but mm -hmm. I when I when I went to apply for a job I applied at Wash U Washington University which at that time had become part of Barnes Jewish Hospital and so I remember I was driving to work the first couple of days I'd had my job and I'm driving up over this bridge mm -hmm. and I'm seeing that Barnes and I'm like I just start crying because I'm like I've, I've got what I wanted as a kid. I'm working there, you know? And yeah. so that was, that was like a big dream for me to be able to work at Wash, Wash what, U at Barnes. What blows me away is that God orchestrated all these yeah. things to take place because you had said that when you were a little kid, God heard you. I know. And then he took you another, because you were thinking, well, I'll be a doctor. Right, right. But that's the way the Lord works with most everyone. Yes. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, and that's me talking for the last few interviews, that the ones that we have done so far, it's consistent yeah. that God, generally speaking, did, people, we always want to know everything up front. We're always like, oh, God, yeah. what are you going to do with my life? And for some reason, there's just crickets on the other side. Right. That's because if God told us, we would never sign up for it. You know? Oh, heavens no. <laughs> I would never sign up for it. <laughs> so, uh, but you you ended up working at this hospital. You had the job, and then God speaks to you, yeah. and you know it's clearly His voice. And that's a that's a big thing I would say for the listeners, uh, especially young yeah. people, that that God can speak in that way. He can speak. He, I mean, He can speak. I mean. For one, I'd been asking him for something, okay? So I think that's the first part of the formula is we really have to ask to seek his will. Mm -hmm. And this was such a huge mistake that I did not want to, you know, yeah. not be in his will. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, because I was seeking him and asking him, he honored that. Wow. He honored that. And the word of God says, you know, if you have not because you ask not, yeah. you have to ask the Lord. You have to seek what his will is. But he also says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and yes. his righteousness yes. and all these things, which is the things he talks about, the things you worry about in life that are personal. Right. Like, oh, what, what am I going to wear? Who are going to be my friends? Right. What are my relationships going to yeah. be? He said, I'll take care of all that if you put me first. Absolutely. Uh, so Absolutely. You, you go to El Salvador, your, your heart's being tied to the people. Uh, and when you go, so, so you've had these trips and I love how you said, 
each time you went, more of you yes. was being laid down there. Yes. Finally, you say, okay, I'm going El Salvador. Yeah. This is my calling. Yeah. What was that moment like? Oh, it was it was it was very liberating to be honest. <laughs> really, liberating. Well, yeah, because once I once I heard that that message from the Lord, mm-hmm. and I knew. So then I started to talk to people. You know, I needed to talk to my parents. I needed to talk to my boss. I needed. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew. Everyone seemed to know. Even Pastor B knew that this was the will of God for my life. <laughs> I mean, it was just like I got to surprise no one. I was the only one. That's, okay. So the Lord took care of all those relationships. He really did. I mean, talk about Him going before you. He really uh-huh. did take care of all wow. of those things. And so He even placed in my path during one of my trips down there because I, I couldn't say a word in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I could just say two words, baño and hamburguesa, you know, <laughs> so I couldn't even speak Spanish. But the Lord didn't say learn Spanish, then go. He just said go. But he placed someone in my life there in El Salvador who was fluent in English mm-hmm. as well. And so she became an instant right hand to the ministry there. And so he even, he even set that up ahead wow. of time. Yeah. So, so for my transition going was really not that difficult. It, re- it really wasn't. I mean, this person actually flew mm-hmm. to St. Louis when I was moving down, took like three suitcases mm-hmm. apiece, and that, that was it. Everything else was sold and gone. So the Lord made it so clear. Yes. He just cleared the yes. way for you. So you go, uh, and where did you uh, – this is just some curiosity questions sure. for people that have no not, – not a whole <laughs> lot of background about El Salvador. Where's the airport in El Salvador? What city? The airport is actually down along the coast. Okay. On the coast of uh, – on the Pacific side. Mm-hmm. It's about 45-minute drive from the capital of San Salvador. Okay. So um, you, you, you land there. What is, what's next? I mean, did you have any idea about Abigail Associations? Did you have anything on your mind as far as, okay, this is my game plan? Well, I, I did, actually. Um, I wanted to go and open a woman's uh, shelter. Okay. Because there wasn't one that existed in El Salvador, okay? Mm-hmm. And so with my background, and I knew that there was a lot mm-hmm. of abuse of women in El Salvador, I thought, perfect, let's mm-hmm. go. Um, but that, uh, 14 years later, still has not happened. Really? <laughs> so it's not allowed by the government. It's, why is it not allowed well, by the government? Well, we don't it's know. I mean, we actually had two houses mm-hmm. uh, over these courses of years, and they came and inspected us. They came and gave yeah. us training. The only thing that we were told... Uh, was that several years ago, or many years ago, I should say, before I was there, the government had a shelter for women. Okay. And someone came in and shot some women and children. Oh and so word. they're like, we can't keep this safe. And really? so I think they've just not allowed. Uh, but, you know, the Lord that's did wild. other things. So it's Yeah, God will yeah. God, keep working. <laughs> yeah. um, that surprises me because uh, Catholicism is so strong in South mm-hmm. America. Yes. I assume there are a lot of Catholics in yes. El Salvador. Yes, there are a lot of Catholics. And in that system, usually you have uh, some type of monastery-driven orphanages or uh, helps yeah, for women. There so are, but not nothing where a woman can go and live, oh. take her children and stay. That was the idea, was for them to have a place for like three months to study, mm-hmm. uh, to do some vocational training, to have some healing, some counseling, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and then the, the, they'd be able to go out and start their own life. So that is what they don't allow, is where the women yeah. can come and stay for a while. But that must be what uh, they really need, because <laughs> once you come and stay and you yes. have someone giving you counseling about yes. what family life's like, how to get your own yes. life in order. Yes. Um, and I, I assume most of the monasteries don't give that information. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, uh, the, no. but when, when you're looking to do that and uh, you're working with the officials there, were they already prepared for you to, when you were coming from the multiple trips you took beforehand? No, I had no contact up? with the government beforehand. Okay. No, okay. I just went in on a tourist visa. Um, and so I started to apply for permanent mm-hmm. residency 
which took about eight years. So anyone, mm-hmm. if you're trying to apply for residency in the States, be patient because it, it takes time to get residency in really? other countries. What's residency like? I, I, I'm ignorant of these things. No, it, it, I have permanent <laughs> residency now. So okay. every every four to five years, I just have to renew my residency card. Okay. Uh, but up to that point, it can be a rigorous process, mm-hmm. you know, to... Is it possible to get citizenship for you? I would have to give up my American citizenship. Oh, okay. And that, that's not going to happen. I got you. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> that's not going to happen. You just renew the residency. <laughs> right, <All> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so uh, they... They, uh, the system there, when you when you make it there, were there a lot of people, uh, religious infrastructure, of Christians that were there to help you, or was it just, well, I'm going in alone? Well, pretty much going in alone. Wow. I mean, we formed Abigail Association, and we chose Abigail because, you know, Abigail is a woman from the Bible, mm-hmm. and she she had a bad life. She was married to a mad, bad guy. This is David's, one of the w- David's women that married David. Yeah. Ultimately, David's wife. Mm-hmm. And so um, we use that story because people would say, we've never heard of Abigail. So we would use that story to say, oh, well, you know, this lady had a bad life. She was mm-hmm. married to a drunk, basically. Uh, he had a heart attack. King David then went and found her and married her. Yeah. <laughs> so we say, it doesn't matter how bad your life is. You wow. can be married. You can be the wife of a king. Hallelujah. So and that's how we got Abigail. <laughs> just yeah. just for the people listening, we could ju- hop back in on this. But, uh, you know, her, her husband's name in Hebrew, I think it's Nabal, but yes, that his is... name literally is Fool. Oh, yes, <laughs> so exactly. in case you want to know, the, <laughs> the writer it may be using, that may literally yes. be his name, but there's a possibility that the writer's trying to right. say to you, this woman was married to a foolish to a f- man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh-huh. if, you, if you're struggling with that, yes. <laughs> it's a, not just a fool in the, in the yes. in book of Proverbs, a fool is not just a person that doesn't have good ideas. It's a wicked person. Yes, yes. Yeah, a person that does not live by God's standards. And we're never advocating for the woman to leave her husband. I mean, that is not at all. We're all about Mm -hmm. the restoration. But sometimes that is not possible. But even if she stays and has to stay in a a, a negative or, you know, not a good situation, Mm -hmm. she can still be married to Jesus the King. Yeah, She can still be his wife. And so that's the beauty of of the Abigail story. (laughs) 